I want to encourage you to grab it. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, and you can find a seat. Matthew chapter 2 is where we're going to be this morning, and we are continuing on in this series in the Christmas season that we've called Wake Up the Wonder, and we are looking to the Christmas story to recapture the heart of this Christmas narrative and why Jesus came down to earth. And we're going to read Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse number 1. And the Bible says this, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And Herod the king had heard these things. He was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced. Everybody say rejoiced. They rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And they were come into the house. They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod they departed into their own country another way let's have a word of prayer together this morning Lord thank you so much for this day that you've given us God thank you for this Christmas morning that we can look to your word and understand the significance and the implications of the Christmas narrative and Lord why you came And God, I pray that today as we look to these verses that you would fill me with your spirit. Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged and challenged together. And Lord, I pray that we would be rejuvenated by your love and why uh, you came. And Lord, I pray that this would motivate us to live a life that is pleasing to you. And we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said... A few years ago, we decided to take my daughter Liv to what is called the Bippity Boppity Boo Salon. And it's at Disneyland. It's this place where you can bring your daughter in and they will dress her up like a princess, put a princess dress on her, do all of her makeup, do all of her hair, and she will really feel like a real life princess. Now, you only have to take out a small loan to make this possible. Um, You know, some parents, they want to save up uh, for college for their kids. We just took our kids to Bippity-Boppity-Boo. And so uh, we went to Bippity-Boppity-Boo and Liv did that. And she absolutely loved it. She was just smiling ear to ear. She really felt like a princess. She really felt like royalty, just kind of walking around the park. And everyone said, hello, princess. And she just was on top of the world uh, that day as we celebrated her birthday. When I was in college, I visited England. And we got to go to what is called the Royal Muse at the Buckingham Palace. 
And what this place is, it's the royal stable uh, for uh, Buckingham Palace. And you can see all of the prestige and honor. And it's a very fancy place where they keep all the special horses and, and uh, all of the special equipment. And when you walk into the middle of the Royal Muse, they have this uh, stage uh, coach. It's the, it's the gold state coach. I think we have a picture of it this morning. And uh, this is used at the coronations of the British monarchs. And just this uh, carriage is worth upwards of $4.5 million. Now, when we consider royalty, this is what we might think about. When we consider the entrance, the coronation of a king, the entrance of a king or a queen, uh, this is what our minds would go to. This is what uh, an arrival of a king should look like. But today we recognize on Christmas morning that we worship a different kind of king. And we recognize today that when Jesus came down to earth that he came as a humble king. And he had a very different entrance into our world. In fact, the Bible says this in Philippians chapter 2 verse number 7, but he made himself of no reputation. And he took upon him the form of a servant, and he was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now this morning when we come to Matthew chapter 2, Matthew, who again we saw last week, he's writing primarily to a Jewish audience. He is introducing to us Jesus, this baby that is born in Bethlehem, and he is introducing to us Jesus emphatically as king emphatically as king. Now, he's already introduced us to the virgin birth. He's already made that clear. He's already established the uh, messianic lineage in the first part of Matthew chapter number one, uh, showing that Jesus came from uh, the right line to be the Messiah. He's already established uh, this truth of Isaiah chapter 714, the prophecy fulfilled. And now in chapter two, he is going to establish very clearly and emphatically that this baby that was born in Bethlehem is king, that he is the King of Kings. And this morning, very briefly on Christmas morning, I want to show us from this text today four responses that we should have to Jesus being King. Uh, four ways that we should respond to this. Number one, if you're taking notes today, is this. We must pursue him. Jesus is King and we must pursue him. Now, notice what the text says in verse number one. I want to encourage you to keep your Bible open this morning. Verse number one. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. So what Matthew does here is he kind of zooms out on Bethlehem and he zooms in on Jerusalem. And the reason he zooms in on Jerusalem is because there is a great search that is taking place in Jerusalem. That there are men that are persistently pursuing and trying to find Jesus, this baby that was born. And so they go to Jerusalem looking for Jesus. Now, I was reading the story about uh, last year, there was a man that found out uh, by watching TV that he had won the Tennessee State Lottery and that it was worth over a million dollars, his winnings for his numbers. The only problem was he lost his ticket and he knew that he had the right numbers, but he didn't have his ticket and he knew that he couldn't claim that million dollar prize because uh, he did not have that ticket. And so he frantically went on a search and he was trying to retrace his steps. How, how many of you would say that you'd be searching frantically if you had a million dollars that you could claim? And so he was searching everywhere and trying to retrace all of his steps. And eventually he went to an auto parts store where he was the day before. And there it was, his ticket in the parking lot of that auto parts store. And he found that ticket for the million dollars. Now, I don't think any of us today are searching for a million dollar ticket as far as I know. But here's the truth today, that all of us are searching for something. 
that everyone is searching for something in life. Many people are searching for purpose. Many people are searching for happiness. Many people are searching for some sort of status or significance. There is deep within the human heart this quest for, for meaning and purpose. And here we see in verse number one that there was a great search that was taking place that these men were searching for Jesus. I want, I want us to see the end of verse number one. It says, there came wise men. Now, who were these wise men? There's a lot of uh, conjecture and there's a lot of misunderstanding concerning these wise men. The, word, uh, the words wise men carry the idea of the magi. Uh, these were not magicians like we would uh, think of today. These were uh, philosophers. They were experts in religion, experts in science. They, uh, they were men of position. They were men of prominence. And many scholars believe that they would have traveled hundreds of miles over several months uh, to try and find this baby that was born. They were searching. In fact, in verse number two, it says this, saying, where is he? Where is he uh, that is born king of the Jews? The word saying is uh, in the present active, uh, it's a present active uh, uh, participle, which means this, that they didn't just ask once, that they were continually asking, that everywhere they went, they were asking, where is he that was born king of the Jews? Where is this child that was born? They were continually asking, they were searching for Jesus. They were pursuing Jesus. See, the problem today with modern worship is many people are searching for an experience rather than searching for Jesus. Many people are searching for a solution to their problems rather than searching for the God of the solution to their problems. So often we are searching for something temporary rather than just pursuing and searching and seeking after Jesus. These wise men were pursuing after Jesus. Oswald Chambers said this, spiritual lust, I must have it at once, causes me to demand an answer from God instead of seeking God himself who gives the answer. Is today the third day, and he is still not done what I expected? Whenever we insist that God should give us an answer to the prayer, we are off track. The purpose of prayer is that we get a hold of God, not of the answer. That we are pursuing God, not just some sort of solution uh, to our problems. I love that these wise men were not searching for happiness. They were not searching for purpose. They were not searching for uh, some sort of gain uh, monetarily. They were searching for Jesus. John 1.38 says this, Then Jesus turned and he saw them following, speaking to his disciples, and said unto them, What seek ye? See, Jesus asked this profound question that has profound implications on your life. What is it that you're searching for? What seek you? What are you looking for? Are you searching for happiness? Are you searching for fame? Are you searching for significance? What is it that you are pursuing? Psalm 27 verse 4 says this, One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David said, I have this desire to seek God. I have this desire to pursue after him, to behold his beauty, to dwell in his house. I have this desire to pursue after the things of the Lord. Can I tell us today on Christmas morning, that we ought to stop searching for satisfaction in all the wrong places, that we ought to stop searching for satisfaction in stuff or in possessions or in status or in a career, but we should search for Jesus Christ in whom there is satisfaction for all of life, who there is meaning for all of life, there is purpose for all of life found in Jesus, and so we must pursue him. These wise men were pursuing after Jesus. Verse number two, it says, saying, where is he that is 
born king of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him. Uh, this uh, star in the east is a reference all the way back in the Old Testament, even in uh, the Pentateuch in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. I have seen him. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob. And so all the way back in the book of Numbers, we have this prophecy of Balaam that was widely regarded as a messianic prophecy, a picture of the coming anointed one, this star out of Jacob. And this is what now the wise men are seeing. And so today we recognize on Christmas morning, we must pursue him. But then this leads us to a second thought today. Number two is this. We must not only pursue him, we must choose him. We must choose him. Notice what it says in verse number three. Everybody with me today so far? Notice verse three. When Herod the king. Now, all of a sudden, we have some major tension in the Christmas story. Herod, the king. There's a major contrast. There's a major uh, division here between verse 2 and verse 3. Because in verse 2, we are introduced to Jesus, king of the Jews. He's the king. And here in verse number 3, we are introduced to Herod, the king. And so here are the wise men. They're showing up. We're searching for the king of the Jews. Well, they're searching for king. That's going to make the person sitting on the throne a little bit nervous. And so now Herod, who is the king, is feeling threatened because we're introduced to this, uh, this clash of authority, this clash of royalty. Who is the real king? Who will the people choose? Now, uh, a little background on Herod. Would that be okay this morning? A little background on Herod? It seems like every great story has a great villain, right? And since this is the greatest story ever told, Herod is perhaps one of the greatest villains in all of history. Uh, Herod was an insane man. He was really a brutal, known for his inhumane uh, brutality. Uh, this was the first Herod in a long line of Herods. There's uh, many different Herods in Scripture. This is the first Herod, Herod the Great. Uh, he was dysfunctional, uh, wicked man. Uh, he was known for his immense construction projects. The temple that was destroyed in AD 70, this was built by this particular Herod. Uh, when I was in Israel several years ago, we visited a place called Caesarea, and you could see, I believe we have a picture today, you could see the ruins of uh, the foundations of Herod's palace that was in Caesarea. This was considered one of the most extravagant and beautiful places on earth at the time. This was built by this Herod in Matthew chapter 2. And so Herod was known for his construction, his power, uh, but he, really he was known for his uh, inhumane brutality and instability. Uh, Herod would kill anyone that he felt threatened by. He killed his own two sons. He killed his wife. Caesar Augustus famously said that it would be better to be one of Herod's pigs than one of his sons. And so now we are introduced to this clash, this confrontation of the king of the Jews and Herod the king. And Herod felt threatened by this news. Why? Because there would be change. He felt as though he would lose his throne. In fact, Herod was the son of Antipater, which meant that he was an Edomite. And Edomite was a descendant of Esau. Because he was a descendant of Esau, the Jewish people did not consider him a rightful heir to the throne. And so he was already on thin ice. And so this news of people searching for a king of the Jews made him very insecure. He thought that there would be change. By the way, many people are okay with Jesus when it means comfort but they're not okay with Jesus when it means change. 
Here is Herod feeling extremely insecure and threatened because there is this news of the king of the Jews that has arrived. And now Herod is feeling uh, threatened. He's feeling uh, insecure, mainly because he wants to be king. And I thought about this this week. And here's the reality that we have to understand today on Christmas morning. Many people reject Jesus because they want to be the king of their own lives. Because we want to be the rulers and the masters of our own destiny. We see it all the time uh, playing out in culture. It's my house, I'll make the rules. It's my body, I'll do with it whatever I want. It's my money, I'll spend it how I please. Why? We want to be king. We want to be in charge. This week, this past week, I was watching a Lakers game. They were playing the Sacramento Kings, by the way. Be in prayer for the Lakers. They need a Christmas miracle. They're not doing very good. And uh, I was watching the Lakers, and they lost this game to the Sacramento Kings. And after the game, uh, LeBron James stayed, and he was shooting some extra shots. And he posted a picture to his Instagram. And I wanted to bring that picture this morning because where it says Kings for Sacramento Kings, he edited it out and took the S out of the Kings because he wanted to say, I am the king. Because that's his nickname. He says, I am the king. I, I want to uh, let everyone know that I'm in control. I, I'm in charge. And this is the reality for all of us, that so many people are struggling in life because they want to be king. They want to be in control. And so this is the decision that we have to make. Uh, uh, Matthew chapter 2 is really the tale of two kings. Who will we choose? Will you choose to be the king of your life? Or will you surrender to King Jesus? And so we must pursue him. We must choose him. This is the third thought today. Number three, we must know him. There's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing them personally. I know about Bill Gates, but I do not know him personally. I know about Elon Musk, but I do not know him personally. There's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing him. And we're going to see this played out in this text. Let's, let's, let's look at it in verse number four. Are you with me today? Verse 4, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And so now Herod feels threatened. They're searching for the king. He says, I'm the king. And so he tells the chief priests and the scribes, you need to go and find out in the scriptures uh, where he is supposed to, where the Messiah is supposed to be born. Now he is uh, investigating. He's having people look into this for him. Now in this story, there are three groups of people that are represented. I would encourage you to jot them down. There are three groups of people that we see in this narrative, but that we also see in the culture today. Are you ready for them? Anybody else ready for them on Christmas morning? Some are ignorant of the truth. That's category number one. This is represented in Herod. There are some people that are ignorant of the truth. Herod did not know where Jesus was going to be born. He did not know what the scripture said. He, he wasn't sure about this prophecy. And so what did he do? He had to go and ask other people. Why? Because he did not know himself. He was ignorant of the truth. Can I tell you today that many people in 2022 are ignorant of the truth? They simply don't know what the Bible says. We are growing more and more biblically illiterate as a nation. George Barna, who does many uh, different studies and much research, uh, he uh, said recently that 60% of Americans cannot name or list five of the Ten Commandments. And he said, it's no wonder that people are constantly breaking the Ten Commandments because we don't even know what they are. We are living in a nation that is more and more biblically illiterate. What does Hosea say in Hosea chapter 4, verse number 6? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. 
And so there is this category of people that are just ignorant to the truth. I don't know what the Bible says. I'm not sure what the truth is. The second category is this, people that are indifferent to the truth. Now, this is represented in the scribes and the chief priests. The chief priests, these would have been uh, representing Jewish worship. Uh, the fact that there are priests, chief priests listed in the plural indicates corruption because there was only supposed to be one chief priest, but because there was money to be made here, uh, there was a multiplicity and a plurality of chief priests. These would have represented the Jewish worship. The scribes would have represented uh, Jewish law. They would have been students of the law. They would have searched the scriptures. They would have been experts. They would have known what uh, the Bible says. And here's what I want you to see. Uh, this group of people, this category, they knew what the scripture said, they just denied it because they were indifferent. In fact, notice what it says in verse number five. Everybody doing okay? Verse five. And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. They knew what was written. Here they quote Micah chapter five, verse number two, the prophecy that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. They knew. And yet they are not on their way to find the star. They are not searching for Jesus. They are not inquiring of the wise men. Oh, you heard, and, and, and where should we go? Uh, they are indifferent to the truth. It's like what uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 7 says. Uh, Paul describes this group of people ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Growing in head knowledge, knowing about something, but not knowing personally. And so this is the, uh, these are the chief priests and the scribes. And so there are those that are ignorant of the truth, those that are indifferent to the truth. Here's the third category, those that are invested into the truth. And this would be represented by the wise men because they received the right information and they responded to that information by inquiring, by searching, by pursuing. See, there's a big difference between uh, information and application information alone does not lead to transformation. You can know all the right things. You can be ever learning, but be ignorant of the truth and never understanding the truth. But it's when information is coupled and partnered with application that can truly lead to life transformation. And this is what we see here with the wise men that they pursued after. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 39, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Jesus says, search the scriptures and what you will find, Old Testament, what you will find is me, that all of the Bible is pointing ahead to Jesus. And so as we pursue Jesus, we pursue him with the intent of really knowing him and applying the scriptures that we learn. Hey, uh, there ought to be some people in the room today that would say, you know what, in 2023, I'm going to establish a New Year's resolution like the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 10, when he said this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul said, hey, the one thing that I want to know, the one thing that I want to accomplish in my life is to know Jesus Christ at a deeper level. Is there anyone on Christmas morning that would say, you know, I want to know Jesus. I want to pursue Jesus. I want to give Jesus everything that I have. I want to know him on a deeper level. And so here we see there are those that are ignorant of the truth and indifferent to the truth. Some are invested into the truth. But notice verse number seven. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, he inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. So he's investigating. He's trying to figure this thing out. What, what time did you see it? Where did you see it? Verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him 
also. Now, we know, if you, if you know the story, you keep on reading, read verse number 13. He did not want to worship Jesus. He wanted to kill Jesus. And so he was pretending to be kind when, in all actuality, he was planning to kill. Now, we have to take a sober lesson from this verse today and recognize that the devil is the father of lies, that he is the originator of lies, and he will do anything in his power to deceive you and to disrupt God's will for your life. He is going to present something that sounds good. If you didn't know the story and you were the wise man there and Herod said, I want you to go and find him. I'm going to resource you. Hey, go and find him and bring him back so I can worship him too. They would have thought, man, what a great convert. Herod's on our team. But see, this was a deceitful plan. He wanted to kill and to destroy Jesus. And we have to, in 2022, as followers of Jesus, recognize that there is an attack on the truth and we have to decipher what is true and what is false. And the only way to decipher what is false is to become more familiar with what is true. In other words, you know, when federal agents, when they want to detect fake currency, uh, you know how they do that? they become more familiar with authentic bills. They will spend time studying uh, authentic uh, bills and, and, and money. And so that when a counterfeit comes across, they can detect it very easily because they are very familiar with what is true. The only way today that you will be able to detect the lies of the enemy is if you become more familiar with the word of God. That, that you recognize what is true, that you spend time studying, that you spend time reading, that you are a student of the scripture, so that when a lie comes that sounds good, that sounds reasonable, that sounds plausible from the culture, that we recognize there's error in that because I know what is true. And so we see this deception coming from Herod. And this really leads us to our last thought today. You ready for number four? So we pursue him. We seek after Jesus. We choose him by surrendering to let him be king. And then we know him through his word. But number four is this. We must worship him. We must worship him. You know, the whole reason that the wise men came, we see it in verse number two, and we see it later on, they came to worship. In fact, notice verse number two, saying, where is he that is born a king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And so they came to worship him, not as a man only, but they came to worship him as the God man. They came to worship him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I want us to see three things as we close today in regards to their worship. First, their direction. I want you to see their direction. Notice it in verse number nine. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. I love what's taking place here. Supernatural, divine direction. They followed that star, and it led them exactly where they needed to go. God was providing for them the direction that we needed. I'm thankful that when we submit to God's will, that he will guide us and direct us in the path that he has for us. Many people today are lacking direction because they're lacking submission. But here when the wise men submitted and surrendered, God was leading them, directing them. In fact, notice verse number 12, and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. There was safety in that submission, that he was protecting them. So we see their direction. But I want you to see, second, their celebration. Verse number 10. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Can I tell you today on Christmas morning that this is a season of joy? Now, I recognize that for many people, Christmas brings up painful memories. And for many people, Christmas reminds them of loss. 
And we understand and we want to be the body of Christ and show empathy and show love to the hurting and be uh, the hands and feet of Jesus. We want to support our brothers and sisters that are hurting. But really joy, we recognize in scripture, is not connected to our circumstances. But joy is connected to our Savior and they rejoice with an exceeding great joy as they came to worship Jesus. Augustine said this, to fall in love with God is the greatest romance, to seek him the greatest adventure, and to find him the greatest human achievement. I thought that since this morning is Christmas morning, it's kind of a family service, I thought that I would show a quick family video. Would that be okay this morning? Hello, sunshine. That's my brother, Larry. My sister, Danielle. My sister, Christine. Okay. And there I am, in my blue onesie. To be taxed with Mary is a spouse wife. Matthew, listen to the Bible. Bible. Being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Matthew, just wait a minute. Nothing like getting spanked on Christmas morning. And then to top it off, he says, Merry Christmas, right afterwards. On that Christmas morning, there wasn't a whole lot of joy coming from me in that moment. But I'm thankful that the Bible says this in Psalm 96, verse 11. Let the heavens rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. And let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar. Let the fullness thereof. And let the field be joyful in all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice. Can I tell you today that no matter what you're going through, no matter what kind of pain you might be experiencing, no matter what kind of hurt you might be carrying, because Jesus came down to earth, he is offering a peace that passes understanding. He is offering today joy that is unfathomable. He is offering greater things than you could ever imagine in your life. And so even when we're hurting, we can smile. The, the wise men show up and they rejoice with exceeding great joy. This was a celebration. But I want you to see not only their direction, their celebration. Here's the third one, their presentation. In verse number 11, it says this. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. They came to worship. And when they had opened up their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. I love that it says in verse number 11 that they fell down and worshiped him. Before they presented their gifts, before they gave of their substance, they gave of themselves. Because true worship and true worship is shaped through sacrifice. That yes, they were going to give the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but first they gave of themselves, they worshiped. And then they gave three things. They gave gold. This is a picture of his royalty. All throughout scripture, gold is, is partnered with royalty. The king has come. Matthew is emphatically introducing to us Jesus as king. The gold pictures his royalty. The frankincense pictures his deity. Because in the Old Testament, we see that frankincense was often used as an act of worship to God. Leviticus chapter 2, verse number 1. And when any will offer a meat offering unto the Lord, his offering shall be a fine flour, and he shall pour oil upon it and put frankincense thereon. 
So this was an offering to the Lord. And so the gold pictures his royalty. The frankincense pictures his deity. The myrrh pictures his humanity because myrrh was essentially a perfume. And John chapter 19 tells us that when Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea were preparing for burial, they used myrrh in this preparation. And so even at his birth, again, we are reminded of his death. We are reminded why Jesus came down to earth. I read a quote several years ago. It was when one of the Avengers movies came out. I didn't see it. I think it was one of the ones with Batman in it when Ben Affleck was Batman and he was being interviewed in the USA Today. And he said this quote, and I remember reading this quote and I immediately copied and pasted it because it stood out to me. This is what Ben Affleck said. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world from natural to man-made disasters. And it's really scary. Part of the appeal of this genre is what he calls wish fulfillment. Wouldn't it be nice if there was somebody who could save us from all this? save us from ourselves, save us from the consequences of our actions, and save us from people who are evil. Today, the world is searching for hope. They might not know the right verbiage, but really they're searching for a savior. Can I tell you today on Christmas morning, there is someone that can save us from all this. There is someone that can deliver us from evil. There is someone that can forgive us from our sins. His name is Jesus Christ, and today we worship him as King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the Savior of the world today. That is why he came. And Acts 17 says this in verse 27, that they should seek the Lord, seek him, pursue him, if haply they might feel after him, and find him, though he be not far from from any one of us, from every one of us. Today, I would encourage you to pursue Jesus, to choose Jesus, Jesus, to know Jesus, and ultimately to worship Jesus as king. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning.